This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is newly retired pro lacrosse player, Greg Grenlian. What's up, Greg? How's it going? Appreciate you coming on the show. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I know um, you recently retired from pro lacrosse. Uh, Could you give me a... a reason why and why you thought this was the right time? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was mostly um, family. Yeah. My, uh, I have been on the road every weekend of the summer since 2006. Um, and I've known my wife since then. And uh, she's been a good soldier for years. I was originally going to retire from Pro Lacrosse uh, in 2007, after the 2017 season. And um, when the PLL came out, it was like too good of an opportunity to be part of. So we agreed that I would do it for one year and then, uh, that would be it. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it was mostly because of family. Um, I feel like last year, every game I played in, except for one, and I tried to play with one hamstring, uh, I was over 50%. I was doing well against guys that are 10 to 12 years younger than me. So like I still had plenty of juice left in the tank, but um, at some point you have to make decisions. And my son is now three and, you know, he's old enough where he realizes when I'm gone and it's about time for me to be home a little bit more. So it was just the right time. Yeah, definitely. Now I know you guys knew that you were retiring after one year. Did like anybody else? Um, The PLL and, uh, you know, we knew inside the PLL, um, the group, the deal was going to be that it was going to be one year and then we were going to discuss like some kind of transition, which we're discussing right now. I'm still going to be part of the PLL and I'm still mm-hmm. going to help in some capacity. Uh, we're just trying to figure out exactly what I can be most useful doing. Gotcha. And then, yeah, going to the PLL, what did you, what did you think when uh, like Paul Rabel and crew started to f- found that? And um, in like the first year, obviously was last, or was it last year? Yeah. Last year, right? Yeah, I heard rumblings of it. Uh, I know because I played with Paul in the the other league, and um, then we played on Team USA together for 2018. So I know I remember him kind of, you know, raising money and talking to people, and um, we all knew it was going to be a thing. And then the real stunner was when overnight, when he announced it, like 150 guys left the other league and just like signed with PLL. And that was when it was like, okay, like we all trust that this is going to be a good thing. So everyone just didn't even hesitate and just left. And we were like, holy crap, like this is going to be the future. Um, so we, I know Paul well enough to know that he never just kind of goes for something. Like he puts a lot of planning, a lot of effort, and a lot of learning into something. So I feel like it was indicative. And I remember telling him this, it's indicative of what we think of you. You, you know, people will follow you. Uh, because we trust that you and your brother have a plan. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Now going, going back into time, uh, how did you get into lacrosse? I started playing lacrosse in uh, right before my freshman year of high school, because that was like a cool sport in Springfield, Delaware County. Like that is the sport to play in high school. Mm-hmm. All the cool kids. Like, uh, so back then it was like, wow, like if you were one of the cool kids rocking like the the game day shorts, like the school or whatever, like that was the coolest thing you can do. Our football team wasn't good. Uh, we didn't really have many sports that were really good, but our lacrosse team was legendary. So, um, I wanted to play. So I tried it. I 
it took a while to get good at it. I almost quit at one point because it was just, it's a very frustrating sport to try to jump in late. Um, especially when you're surrounded by guys who've been playing since they were like six. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I mean, obviously it paid off, but you know, there's certain moments where I definitely wanted to give up and there were certain people that put their arm around me at the perfect time and said the right things to me, uh, to make me stick with this sport. Cause it is frustrating to get going on it. And did you, did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah. Um, the first, uh, I mean, I, the first activity I started was karate when I was, when I was, uh, six and I did that for 10 years. Um, but I did wrestling, I did basketball, I did soccer, baseball. Uh, I did everything but football and hockey pretty much. So, um, you know, I, I actually, once I started getting going and really getting good at lacrosse, I remember my junior year of high school, that was the first year I didn't play three sports. I, I gave up on basketball so I could lift and train during the, during the, uh, during that time of year. So I played three sports year round mm-hmm. most of my life. Yeah, going into that, do you think that helped you, like in lacrosse, instead of playing, like instead of focusing on one sport? Because I know, like, that's kind of a big subject now. Like, should kids just focus on one sport, or should they play multiple yeah. sports growing up? You know what? It's it's so funny because no doubt that playing other sports helped me with lacrosse, but there's so many different types of people that play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. It's not like I was talking, I was just did the, the Notre Dame coaches convention this past weekend where there's over 200 Midwestern lacrosse coaches. And a lot of these guys come from football because it's still not quite hotbed like it is in East coast. And they all say the same thing. They're like, man, I came over from football and I just love this game. And I just think it's, you know, it's just so cool how everyone wants to share information and, um, you know, so many different types of athletes can play it. And that's what I hear all the time because look in basketball, <clears throat> basketball was the first sport to go for me. Cause I was like, all right, I hit six, one, that's as high as it's getting. <laughs> um, and then I remember what, you know, like when you look at football, it's like, if you're not a freak athlete, you're not playing football. Yeah. Um, so like with lacrosse, it's like, you could have someone like me who's athletic and uses that to get in. And then like, lets their six skills catch up. You could be a face off guy. Um, you can be an attachment that has insane stick, but you don't have to be really fast. You can just have a great stick skills, catch the ball inside and score. You can be a fast dodging type of player who has a ton of speed. You can be a guy who's really big on defense and put people down. Um, goalies come in all shapes and sizes. So I think the reason lacrosse is cool is because it is one of the few sports where I looked at it and said, your success is directly correlated to the amount of time you're willing to work on your stick skills. You can't be great at this sport unless you are really good at catching and throwing and doing things with your lacrosse stick. So that's what was so cool about it. And uh, I think that's why it's growing. And I think that's why it's such a big deal. Yeah, yeah it's funny you say that too about just all athletes playing it. Because I remember when I was in high school, it was pretty much just other other athletes just played lacrosse as just like to just, you know, be active pretty much. <laughs> they just, yeah. There's a lot of hockey guys, a lot of soccer guys, stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I played soccer uh, in the fall and then – I got to hit people in the spring with lacrosse. So it was like a great <laughs> combination. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what, what about like, what was your recruiting process like uh, for lacrosse, like coming out of high school? Well, recruiting was different back then because yeah. lacrosse was the best players were very relegated to like Long Island, Philly <laughs> and uh, Maryland. So there were two recruiting tournaments back then. There was the champ camp, which was like <clears throat> high schools and club teams used to put teams together. 
and just go out and compete in this massive weekend tournament. And if you made the all-star game at that, you were probably going to college. And then the big one was 205. That was an individual camp. You had to be invited to go. And if you made the all-star game at that, you were a hundred percent going to college. And I just remember I got significantly better over the course of my junior year. And I went to those uh, weekends and I made the all-star game at both of them. And like overnight, the letters just started flooding in. And, um, you know, I had no concept, like I still have no concept of writing essays or applying to colleges or any of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. back then it was like, you get recruited really hard your fall of your senior year, you make a decision and then you're like, you go through admissions and you're going to college. And, um, I, my whole family went to Penn state. My dream school was Penn state. Uh, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, I grew up on Penn state football. I could tell you every quarterback at Penn state since like 1990. Um, so when I got a letter from Penn state, I knew nothing about the lacrosse program. I just knew that I got a letter from Penn state and I want to go to Penn state. Uh, so it was like overnight, it was like, holy crap, here's my ticket to go to my dream school. Um, so then I went on other recruiting visits just to see other schools. But I always kind of just had one leg over it. I had one foot still on the Penn State pond. And unless somebody shocked me, I was going to go there. Uh, so then I went up, visited, and kind of just committed. And my recruiting process was very streamlined because Penn State was a school I grew up knowing. I knew that I wanted to do study kinesiology, and Penn State had one of the best kinesiology programs in the country. I knew I wanted to be at a big football school. So, like, it was just it was the easiest recruiting ever uh, for me from that standpoint. I was very lucky. Now, nowadays, mm-hmm. these kids are, you know, they start playing club lacrosse when they're in like sixth grade. Uh, recruiting coaches start keeping an eye on kids when they're in eighth grade. And then, you know, a few years ago, kids were committing in eighth grade. It was nuts. Yeah. Uh, now with the new rules, they have to wait till September 1st of their junior year to contact the kids. So now it's calming down, but recruiting is nothing like it used to be because kids are good from, Michigan, Idaho, Texas, California. There's a huge club recruiting tournament happening in every state every day. It's insane. So I don't know how coaches keep their eye on the ball right now. It's crazy. Yeah, and the and the have the listeners into perspective. You were this was in the early 2000s, right? Yeah. So I graduated high school in 2002. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, a lot has changed, especially with social media. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's part of it, right, is there are more ways to connect with people than ever, and there are far more ways for you to get in trouble than ever. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's – I think think this generation that's kind of finishing college now or just like – I would say the the guys who are like four or five years out of school now, Mm -hmm. out of college, they were the generation, unfortunately, that like – they were still new to the Instagram world and stuff, and they were the ones making the mistakes – and now talking to kids that are in high school now, like they've learned to be able to self-regulate themselves. Like they're like, you know, I have two groups of kids. I got kids that are like, I go to a party and no one's allowed to have their phone out. And I go to parties and it's literally us sitting there watching TV because we're so scared we're going to do something dumb. So the kids have like self-regulated themselves when they're looking at sports because they know I am one Instagram story away from my whole life going up in smoke. So it's nuts now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that too because I'm like, this is I guess my sixth year out of college. So, um, but we didn't we didn't have like when I was a junior senior. I think that's when Snapchat kind of like got big. But then we didn't have like 
Instagram stories or direct messaging, which would have been crazy. Yeah. So like, yeah, I can't even imagine what co- college must be like. I'm only like yeah. I said, I'm only six years out. I can't even imagine. Like, it's probably insane there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm dating myself, but Facebook <laughs> came out when I was a freshman in college, yeah. and I remember being like, "Hold up!" Like, we can talk to people in other schools, and like, it was nuts. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I remember one day everyone woke up in a panic because they're like, "Parents are on Facebook. They open <laughs> Facebook. Facebook's open to everybody now." You just see like. You know, mom and aunts and uncles are all popping up on Facebook and everyone's purging their photos. And it was just, it was panic. Yeah. I mean, staying on the social media topic, I know you're huge on social media. That's actually how I discovered you personally. Um, Like what, how did you have the self-awareness that you could build your brand on social media? You know, it's funny. I, um, I was, so when I got out of college, I went to college to be a strength coach and I worked at Penn State for a year and then I moved to New York City to try the private sector and I started a company called Dog Strength and um, I had a full book of clients as a strength coach and I remember I got off of Facebook during the 2008, I believe, election um, because I just had enough of people at that, that year. <laughs> Everyone every four years becomes a political aficionado. Um, so I just remember being like, I don't need this anymore. Like I'm going to delete my account. And I was off, I was off from social media until Instagram started to really take off. And I remember a couple of my clients being like, you should get on this thing. It's good. It's good for business. It's free advertising. In fact, then it was like, you had to pay for everything. Yeah. So I just started keeping track of my clients and around 2012 is when my career changed from playing lacrosse on weekends and being a full-time strength coach to the face-off academy came out. And my my career on the field was really taking off, and I was becoming more of a full-time athlete. So we, I sold Brolic, and I moved into the face-off thing, and I started gaining a lot of followers. And I remember my first real um, endorsement opportunity was with East Coast Guys, and they were killing the YouTube game back then. They were the first dudes in lacrosse to like do stick and equipment reviews, and their mesh was awesome. Everybody was using their mesh and their sticks. So I remember talking to them. I was like, "Look, like you guys have a really you have the biggest reach out of any company. Like New Balance, all of them had nothing on East Coast Guys because they understood it early." So I got in with them and my following just exploded. And uh, as far as lacrosse terms for a random, like a face-off, face-off guys were not popular positions back then. That was not a popular position. So for me to gain the following I had just by myself with no nobody pumping my numbers for me um, was huge. And I really understood the power of it very early on. And I think growing up in the Facebook era, gave me the perfect combination of being cautious online, but also I was old enough where I was mature enough to handle it and then realize like, okay, let's break the numbers down and see how I can, you know, so it becomes a full-time job as you know, right? Like we bring kids in from Facebook, I mean, uh, from college and we hire them as coaches. And I thought like kids just came out of college knowing this stuff, but you have to literally give them a crash course. Like you don't post at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday when it's school year, you know, like you don't, um, you know, you don't post something and then argue with people in your comments. Like there's just certain rules that you have to like remember and learn 
so that you can apply it. And because this could consume you, as you know, like mm-hmm. social media can totally backfire on you. So, um, you know, I had to learn it as I went, but now I, I consider myself pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had some, uh, talks with some guys I work with that I had to tell them like, uh, you're not, you're not supposed to put this on there. Cause I was like, if you ever blow up or when you blow up, like someone could rip this and find this and, I mean, I think you probably saw that a lot of athletes. I think every on every year on uh, NFL draft day, they come out. Something yeah. comes out, and I'm just like, this is this is crazy. I was like, yeah, and you know what? It used to be that the due diligence was done by the NFL right during scouting because you're an investment. Mm-hmm. Now that due diligence is being done by everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Like people are trying to dig up dirt on everybody all the time. So any mistake you've ever made, no people don't care if it was when you were 13. Yeah. And I say all the time, I'm like, I tell my buddies, I'm like, could you imagine if every dumb thing that we thought we were able to throw out into the universe when we were like 12 years old, like we'd all be dead. Like there's just no way our, you know, so it's uh it's a whole different world now, but if you use it correctly, it's a very valuable tool. You just have to understand, appreciate and not take for granted the risks and the I don't want to say the evils that are involved, but it is kind of the thing that's out there, right? Because people yeah. are trying to tear people down with that. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think this next generation is going to be interesting because, uh, like, say, like, kids like maybe your age, I meant your son's age, like, growing up, they're going to be growing up with full technology. So I think yeah. it could be, like, this could probably be one of the smartest generations or it could be they might not be talkative to human interaction. So I don't well, know. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. The funny thing is a comedian actually just said this. Uh he said, who knew that the entire history of knowledge at our fingertips could make us stupider? Yeah. And it's crazy because we, uh, we do act helpless sometimes. Like I'll have it, I'll post something and, and a kid will ask me a question that is literally the easiest thing to Google. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love when I get the, the I get the DMs and I'm, they're like, what's your website? I'm like... <laughs> Oh, I, come on it's in the it's in the it's in <laughs> come the on, man. Uh, yeah. yeah i mean that's the other thing yeah. i just had another guest on and i've i was like oh what's your email and then i was like oh wait never mind i can just check your thing right there and he's like he's like yeah that's why he's like everything's even you could everything's out there and people aren't checking it's like everybody's because everyone always asks me sometimes like how did i get this person how did i get it I, i'm like yeah i literally just messages them dm them sometimes their emails in the bio just that's how I got you. Yeah. Well, every every proper person who's doing what they should be doing online has their contact, like the way they prefer to be contacted somewhere in their bio. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And going back to Penn State, what was your overall experience like there? It was the best thing ever. <laughs> it, it, like Penn State was the best place on earth. I loved it. I, I mean, yeah, I mean – we did it right, man. Um, it, for me, it was the perfect blend of, you know, being a division one athlete, being, you know, having the freedom to kind of do your own thing. It, Penn state wasn't, you know, 2019, 2020 Penn state back then we were like a ranked 11 to 13 team every year, but we had the space to kind of like, you know, have our fun, but we had to go to work when we were, when it was time to go to work. And, you know, obviously the class experience was amazing. I learned so much. Uh, my mentor, who was our strength coach, he's, he, you know, Brad Pantone was the best. Um, so all the connections, I actually went back last year to alumni weekend. And I remember they asked me to speak and I was talking about my career on the field, my job, 
my wife, all the best things in my life I got from Penn State. So, you know, it's it's a real, it, it's exactly, it turned out to be exactly what I expected it to be. And right now, it's got to be fun. The football team's doing well. The basketball team's doing well. The, the lacrosse team's ranked number one in the country. So if you're a sports fan yeah. and the wrestling team is still a juggernaut, so like, it must be fun. But, um, yeah, it was a perfect school for me, for sure. Yeah, and I th- you mentioned before you were working right out of Penn State before you uh, went into pro lacrosse. Yes, I, I wanted to study kinesiology, but I wanted to be phys ed. Uh, I had yeah. like the coolest gym teacher ever, uh, <laughs> Miss Purvis. And in high school, she was the coolest, and I was like, man, she has the best job ever. Like, this is so cool. And I remember going there, and after like the first semester, I was like, wow, this is like really intense. And I started to like talk to my advisors about like the job opportunities as a gym teacher. It's like, you really got to like strike gold. Uh, to get a good phys ed opportunity, like somewhere at a good paying job in the burbs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember being like, man, you know, and then I got really close to our strength coach. And I was like, actually, this is kind of the route I want to take. Like, I would love to learn the science of the human body and get into this. So, you know, I would literally in between classes go over to the weight room and I would talk to him about like my um, neuroanatomy labs and stuff. And it was so intrinsic to me. I loved everything about it. Um, so that's after I graduated, he hired me immediately and I was going to become a grad assistant. I want to get my master's. And then it was just tough because you're not making any money. You know, you're basically, this is your fifth year on campus and, you know, I'm bouncing at, you know, at the bar until 3am and then I'm going to work at 5:30, and I'm there until two. And then like, you just can't keep it up. So at some point you have to decide, like, do I need to go make money? So I took the chance and went to New York and, uh, it worked out great for me. So, you know, strength training was my first love for sure. And then going into like, while you were in college, did, did you think there was a chance you could have a pro career? I mean, I, I'm assuming it wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah. You know what, man? I never knew. I never thought when I was in high school that I would be playing college across. And I never thought in college I'd be playing pro. Yeah. And even when I got to the pros, I never thought I'd be playing for team USA. It's all <laughs> happened. It's always, I've always never looked that far ahead. Um, And, you know, I started getting really good after my, the only reason I got a shot at facing off my junior year for varsity, because I was like kind of like a man down guy or like a transitional (laughs) defender um, was because our starter got hurt. So I went out there third game of the season and blew the doors off and then never looked back. So it happened out of nowhere that like within a few months I was becoming a college prospect. And then, when I got to college, um, out of nowhere, my junior year, I blew up and just had an insane year. And then all of a sudden, I get a note in my locker that the NLL wants me to, to put, bring me to the draft that year. So then I go to the draft, and my first game, I get thrown in there, and I have a good game. I have like three points. I you know, go seven for 13, and I'm like, oh my. I remember coming to the locker room like, holy shit, I belong here. Like, I'm a professionally level player. This is incredible. And then, you know, after a couple of years of getting my feet underneath me, that's when I really took off. I blew my knee out in 2011. And after I blew my knee out, uh, I remember sitting on the, the couch the entire summer all bummed out. Like, man, I really, like, I didn't realize how much I loved playing. Like, I just played on the weekends. But I think I could be really, really good at this. So I sat there and I actually applied what I know about biomechanics to the face-off position. And I created an entire training system. 
And when I came back after my rehab, I applied that to my next year and I set every personal record and I broke one of the ML records. Mm-hmm. So then I started training a couple kids and then they started kicking butt. And then my records, I kept setting records every year I would beat my record. And I was like, man, like I could, and this is like, I, I figured something out. Like I had this very important drive and I didn't care about anybody else's stats or anything, but I had the realization that I could probably be as good as I could humanly be at, at something. Right. So like you think about regardless of what anybody else has done, but your own personal like ability and talent to be able to tap that out in something is what, what like became my obsession. So like face off became my full on obsession of I want to be absolutely as good as I can humanly be at this. And, uh, that's, you know, that's where everything just kind of went crazy. Gotcha. Yeah. I know you said you blew your knee out in 2011. Um, so how did you, how are you motivated to come back from that? Honestly, it's because like, I'm such a science nerd and like, <laughs> like applying because I was still training, like, you know, I would crush down to the gym. I would train my clients on one leg. I, I, the, the, um, excitement of putting the system together really got me through that. Like every day, my wife, bless her soul, like she was, you know, we were just dating at the time living together. She'd go to work. She'd come back. She'd take me to, to PT. Now, this is in New York City, by the way, where it yeah. takes forever to get three blocks anywhere, right? She would take me to the uh, PT. I would sit there and be in absolute pain for an hour. She'd bring me back, fill my ice thing up, go back to work. And I would sit there and I would just hammer out this, this system. And I would just like, I was measuring everything. I was measuring the distance to the ball. I was measuring the angle of your hips towards the ball. And like that really got me going. Like I, and I started making some videos with my brothers on YouTube just to see what people's reactions were. Um, so I was, I couldn't wait to like put that to, to full go. Cause I was like hell bent. Like, this is not how I'm going to stop playing lacrosse. Like I'm going to come back. So I blew my knee out. I tore my ACL. I tore my meniscus and I had a micro fracture and I was back on the field playing at full speed in nine months. That's crazy. And, um, that ensuing years when I broke my records. So, you know, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Then, uh, 2015, I guess you'd say it was your best year. You won the MVP and you won the championship. So what was that year like? That year was nuts, man. That year was because it was a perfect combination of them tweaking the rules to get rid of a lot of the cheating that used to go on Mm -hmm. and me having this system in place and then also me spending my first two full years of being a lacrosse coach full time. So I was like dialed in and like, I came back, I came out, like I wanted to retire people that year. (laughs) And there was a point at that all-star break, I was 80%. So it was, it got really crazy and it was a blast and we won the championship and it was amazing. And then uh, going to the USA team, what, what was that like to just rep the United States? Yeah, I mean, repping the United States was, I think that's all part of it too. Like 2014 was my first go with Team USA in the World Games and we lost the gold medal game um, in Denver. And then like, I think three weeks later, we lost the MLL semifinal game in Denver. And I was so just baked from that year. And I was playing the entire summer with a uh, with a torn labrum. 
So I remember getting labrum surgery and like, I took a couple of weeks off to rehab and then I was like, dude, I need to like blow the doors off in 2015. <laughs> and, um, I think that's part of it as well. But getting to the, the cool thing about playing with team USA in 2018 was that was in my mind. Cause I really didn't know how real PLL was yet. That was in my mind going to be the last time I played lacrosse at a high level. Mm-hmm. And not only did I get to play and win a gold medal, but I also got to play with Trevor who was like our first ever FOA protege. And he went on and broke every college face-off record. Um, So I get to be on a team. He and I are the two face-off guys, and we're like 12 years apart. And we've known each other, and and now he works for us. It was a very cool experience for me. I loved it. It was amazing. And in your early years, did did you have a – I know you had your own business, but were you like working somewhere else too? Um, like a job so in the off season? First, yeah, when I first moved to New York, I worked at Reebok Sports Club okay. in the Upper West Side, uh, which is now known as, uh, it's an Equinox now, but um, that's where I started. And that's where I really started to understand the private sector of strength training because it's mm-hmm. nothing like college. Uh, yeah. So that's where I really, that's what first gave me the first understanding of self-marketing and branding and stuff like that. So when I created Brawlick, it really like made me understand what the pillars are of a successful business. And that's why when I sold it and we started doing the FOA, like it was very easy for me to apply those things. And then I also had this social media tool with Instagram and stuff. And I was like, wow, I can do so much now um, with the knowledge I have from all that experience of building a brand already. Yeah, what what advice would you give to a young player trying to get like a D one scholarship or trying to go pro? I, I tell them, I tell everybody the same thing. Like, your so for instance, let's let's liken it to taking an exam, right? Your goal isn't to get an A in an exam. Your goal is to understand what you're going to be tested on so thoroughly that there's nothing that can knock you for a loop when you go in to take the test, right? So like if I want to take a test on the human body, the muscles of the human body, I'm not going to go into the exam wondering how many muscles I need to know. I'm going to go into the exam knowing every single muscle because I need to know that anyway. So I'm going to know the whole thing so that when I go to take the test, that's just an extra step. I know I'll I'll know I'll do well in it. The same thing comes to when you're playing lacrosse or you're playing a sport and you want to play at the next level. Don't focus on, I want to play, who do I have to talk to to play college lacrosse? No, your goal is to train and be as good as you can humanly be. Then everything else falls in place, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you go and you find out exactly who you need to talk to to try to get a foot into a school that you want to go to, that doesn't help you nearly as much as it does by just going out, training hard, being a good teammate, and crushing people on the field. That's when the people come to you. So, you know, it sounds very elemental, but I think people forget that. Like, if you just go out and you do your thing and you work as hard as you can, like, you will, you will, people will come to you. And it's the same thing in business. You know, like, if you, if you crush and you do your thing and you work as hard as you can at what you're doing and you don't care about what other people are doing, people will come to you for your business. So I think, you know, it comes to recruiting and stuff. That's important. The other part of it is, you know, there is a realistic component of, 
once I'm ready and I'm starting to get people reaching out to me from a recruiting standpoint, how do I organize it? But I tell all my kids, when I was in high school, my parents, this is the hardest thing for a lot of parents to understand. My parents were totally hands-off. They're like, you want to go to college? All right, then go figure it out. You're getting recruited? I'm not going to tell you where to go to school. You, I mean, you know, they expected me to do it, which I was all about. Mm-hmm. So my parents weren't, because a lot of times I tell parents, you're not going to get your kid recruited, but you can certainly get your kid unrecruited. So, you know, if you call Coach Billy at Ohio State and you talk his ear off, you're probably just going to annoy the coach. The coach wants to see your kid play. He wants to know what your kid's like. He wants to talk to your kid. So, you know, my parents were off hands off. And I, I charted my whole thing out, even though I knew I wanted to go to Penn state. It was like, I charted every school. I ranked them. And then I literally listed the grades. So I was like, okay, is it a big school or a small school? I want a big one. So then I would rank that, you know, do they have kinesiology? Yes or no. You know, like, and I would, and that's how you have to approach it because it's, if you want to be a man and you want to go and you want somebody to invest money in you to go do something, then you need to act like a man, you know, or, you know, or a woman. Um, but you have to be an adult about it. And that's what I tell that's what I tell athletes all the time. You have to take it very seriously because this isn't a, oh, that team was on TV, so I want to be on TV one day kind of decision. This is a, you're 22 years old, you just graduated with a degree. Does anyone care enough to give you a job? That's what this is about, <laughs> right? Like I tell my lacrosse kids, I'm like, you're using the lacrosse stick to get you to a school that's going to get you a good job one day. This is not about trying to play on ESPN. So, um, you know, maybe that's too much information, but I just feel very strongly about those parts of it. No, nah, definitely, definitely good information. I mean, and like you just said, you met your wife at school too, right? Yes, like, she was. Uh, a, she was a senior when I was working there. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so like that's why it's crazy because how much college when I talk to all of these athletes, how much college really does play a big role because like all the relationships they build from it. Yeah. And then going into your, your future now, now that you're retired, I know you said uh, you have plans to working with the PLL. So, but what else besides, um, besides that, like what else do you do? Uh, non. Yeah. So wise, I, I mean, my, my biggest, I mean, you know, I'm a father. Um, so I'm home during the day with Jax and, uh, you know, I take care of him. And then, um, this year we're, you know, we're going to open up some things. We're going to go, uh, full court press into kind of like we're creating more content than ever. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, my beast lab, the videos, uh, on YouTube, if you go to youtube.com slash Greg I have like countless videos of training and, um, breakdowns and stuff for kids to, to, you know, learn from. And then first class across with Deemer, uh, class, him and I are doing instructional videos on his platform, his subscription based platform. We have, uh, our podcast, FOA podcast, face offs and friendships, uh, that we're going to do monthly on YouTube and on, um, the podcast app for Apple. And then hopefully, uh, things are in the works with the PLL, and, you know, I'll be doing something with them on the social media front, breaking down more lacrosse stuff in the booth, breaking down some stuff uh, for them on social media. Um, but I do like the commentary stuff. I have done, I dabbled in it in the past. I enjoy doing color commentary. So uh, I'll be doing some more of that with Lack Sports Network and, and NBC. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you ready for some fun questions? They're going to go from average to savage. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> uh, how'd, you, how'd you get the nickname Beast? 
Beast nickname was given to me in 1999 by my friend George as a joke um, because I actually graduated high school at about 170. I gained about 10 pounds a year at Penn State, and uh, but I didn't know how to catch and throw when I first started playing lacrosse, so I just ran around trying to ear hole everybody. So all the older guys would yell on the sideline, like as a joke, because I was a skinny kid trying to wreck everybody. So that's how I got it. Uh, what's your favorite song right now? My favorites. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I was just I admitted to my wife yesterday. Halo by Beyonce. It's my favorite <laughs> song. What right. an absolute masterpiece. All right. Uh, what, what do you like to do? When you're uh, not training or, or playing lacrosse? I actually am a huge uh, nerd in the sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. I love reading Warhammer. And uh, I'm on my 51st novel right now with uh, Warhammer 40K. I have no idea what that is, so I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, man, it's so badass. You love it. <laughs> no, I mean, I like Star Wars and sci-fi stuff, so I mean. Maybe uh, I would love this, side, man. Um, and then who would you want to do like a you maybe haven't done? Uh, just lacrosse. We'll do, how about we'll do a lacrosse one and then any sport. Um, A physical jersey exchange with... Um, I think TD Erland once he uh when he's a rookie this year. Okay. Um, I think TD's special, so you know that'd be a good jersey swap. And then, uh, my all-time favorite athlete ever is uh, Ray Lewis. So even getting to stand in the same room as him would be incredible. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you like about Ray Lewis? Every single thing. <laughs> Everything. I read his book when it came out. Like I just, his story, um, his trials and tribulations, his leadership, his intensity. He's got, if you guys haven't watched it, go on YouTube and watch Ray Lewis rise HD. It's the single greatest highlight video of all time. I've watched it before workouts like 800 times. And you, you haven't got to meet him yet. I've never gotten to meet him. Oh, we gotta, we gotta try to make that happen. Dude, that would be the greatest single thing ever that's ever happened to me, other than, of course, you know, Mary. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, could you let the people know where they can follow you and then any shout outs you want to give? Or Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, GregBeast32 on Twitter and Instagram. And then, as I said before, YouTube.com slash Greg is my YouTube videos. And then. Uh, if you want to follow, if you're a lacrosse player out there, the faceoffacademy.com is where we do all of our instruction all over the country.